the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Thanks for listening to the show. Global stock markets are under pressure today. As fears over coronavirus is gripping the world, second largest economy, China's getting shut down. Flights from L.A., San Francisco to China, there's no demand. And flights are a good indicator of economic activity. Um, There's a big cruise ship with, I think, 8,000 people. Does that sound right? Yeah, it does sound right. Um, Sitting outside of Italy because one person may have gotten the coronavirus. She has a fever, but she's never gone to China. So the World Health Organization is getting together today and saying, is this a global emergency or not? We'll find out. But there's fears, and sometimes fear is just as bad as the real thing. Uh, A friend of mine is going on a trip, and he's like, I don't want to be near. And it was kind of racist what he said. And I get it. I, I get fear. I think he's irrational. But when you watch the TV, it, it sells pretty well. Fear sells. We saw personal consumption in the United States slow more than anticipated. We don't want China to slow too much. A little bit's okay, but not too much. Crude oil prices sank as fears of virus and business closures that it has spurred in China would impact demand for energy in the country. Gold prices are rising a bit. Treasuries are sliding. Good time to get a mortgage. I don't know if this is true or not, but I heard a guy got a 3% mortgage yesterday, and he's hoping to get a 2.8%. And I don't know if it was a adjustable rate mortgage, but he was bragging about it on TV. So even in these times of peril, there could be a great opportunity for you. If you have debt, good time to refi it, potentially. So the burger for taking action on anything I ever say on the show, because I don't know your situation, and you may try to restructure your debt only to find out you lost your job in the process. <laughs> Tesla reported quarterly earnings at top ends Wall Street's expectations, and they said comfortably we were going to sell more than 500,000 vehicles this year. That's a big statement. They're up 50% year over year to 367,500 vehicles. Now they're aiming for 500,000. So that stock's on a tear, trades at a really high valuation. Take a look at it. And if it's for you, it's for you. But take a look at the chart of a three or four year chart and just look at the ups and downs. It kind of looks like um, General Hospital when the doctor comes in and he, he sees a woman's husband and looks at his EKG and it's like, He's going into cardiac arrest. Look at all these ups and downs. It's too much for me. But that's okay. Facebook down today. They are basically saying 
And I like what they're saying. Uh, we're spending a lot of money to work with governments. We're getting a lot of fines. We're going to have some slowing growth because governments want us to change the way we advertise or we allow advertisers to promote. Or I guess how they promote advertisers. Um, but Facebook said also, and this is the interesting one, they said privacy improvements on Apple's iPhones and Google's Android software could hurt its ability to target advertise. Wow. <laughs> That's an admission. Um, I own shares of Facebook. I'm not panicked yet because I've seen good years and bad years out of the company as far as big spins. I'm not a pessimist. It's probably my most valuable trait that I have when it comes to investing because the cost of pessimism doesn't pay. Human beings are pessimistic by nature. I grew up with an alcoholic father, and the blessing of that was I had a crap childhood, but the blessing is that I have no emotions. I'm emotionally very stunted. I was always afraid of my dad. I was always afraid of getting of messing up in front of him. So I wasn't too happy, and I was never too sad. Um, so I don't have pessimism. I don't know why, but I don't. In 2009, there was a financial crisis that you should have got out of the stock market. It was so bad. Big banks disappeared from the United States like Bear, Bear Stearns and Lehman Brothers. That's bad. Which, by the way, was caused by bad mortgages. <laughs> In 2011, you would have thought the European debt crisis would blow up the world. Do you remember when we were talking on the show about, uh, what were they called, pigs? Portugal, Ireland, Italy, Greece, and Spain all having debt issues that don't look good. And if you look at Italy's economy, it still ain't good. I know Italians that come to the United States to get jobs. I don't know what that means, but it means something. So in 2009, we were freaked out about the financial crisis. In 2011, it was the European debt crisis. In 2012, it was the U.S. debt downgrade, where we've had sterling credit. And finally, the World Banks looked at us and said, International Monetary Fund said, eh, you guys are spending a lot of money. You're taking on a lot of debt and just spending it like it's free. So our cost of debt went up. That never happened. And then it did. It didn't in the world, though. In 2015, Ebola, we thought was going to spread all over the planet. And that was a scary one. People are bleeding blood out of their eyes. In 2018, you would have thought a volcanic explosion would blow up the planet. They're all legitimate concerns. You were rewarded, though, if you bought the dip. Now, I think buying the dip is a little too simplistic. And CFP Chad Burton, he'll be on in the fourth segment at this hour. And he talks about the situations and times when you, if you're not in the market, you missed a great amount of return. I'm aware of that, and I get it. What I, what, I, what I find fascinating is how fast these crises move now. And they can hit a stock market top to bottom fast. And that's okay. You're not guaranteed to be up every year. It's, one of the things Chad's going to talk about is that if you go out and buy value funds right now, or if you put money in cash, it doesn't mean that they're going to go up in the next 12 months because they're not... Amazon and Facebook and Google and Apple. But you are probably limiting your downside and creating some upside in year two, three, four, and five. 
when this crisis plays out, if it is a crisis or not, we don't know yet. The economy simply cannot withstand higher rates. Um, The Fed's not going to raise interest rates anytime soon. And that's good for us. I will tell you, I've made a fortune with one phrase. I invest in stocks when the 10-year treasury is under 4%. That's what I used to say when I got in this this business 25 years ago. Now, I say I invest in stocks if the 10-year treasury is under 3.5%. I may not make money in year one. And in theory, there's a lot of fear in the back of my head that should be about deleveraging of interest rates when they do start to rise. But I'm not there yet. Coronavirus is spreading around China. Earthquakes, hurricanes, a lot of black swan stuff out there. People are so focused on what things could go wrong, they forget about what things can go right. And that 10-year treasury is a positive. I like to think of myself as an expert on sentiment and social moods of investors. Trump is crowing about the stock market going up. It's caused some unintended consequences. The opponents are starting to talk about the stock market going down. (laughs) Oh, boy. Big seminar coming up February 6th in Palo Alto. Sign up at Rob Black's show. Use code RADIO25 and listen to the commercial coming right up. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. I promise if you listen, I'll do my best to continue to educate myself on all things financial and share the information with you as best as possible. Um, I will make mistakes. Earlier in the show, I mentioned 8,000 tourists were in lockdown on an Italian cruise ship over coronavirus fears. It was actually 6,000. Um, that happens. I don't really want to talk about Altria taking a $4.1 billion charge on its investment in Juul amid mounting litigation. Because when you talk about tobacco, it's a pretty surreal thing. And it, it depresses me. Um... Altria and Philip Morris. Philip Morris is the international cigarette company. Altria is the U.S. domestic version of it. And there used to be 100 brands and 100 companies, and they all consolidated. And then the United States started suing the companies for giving people cancer, not giving proper warnings. And then Altria says, hey, let's invest in this vaping thing. And when I heard Jules CEO talk about vaping, it made me sick. He said, well, if we don't make this product, somebody else will. Mm, that, doesn't, that doesn't jive with me. I'm kind of happy Altria is, is getting just, atta- just ravaged for that horrible purchase of Juul. Now, with that being said... There's people's jobs at those companies, and I don't want to mess with that. So I don't want to, like, rub it in, but I just, too negative, too negative for me. But what else can we talk about? 800-516-1220 to get calls on the air. Anything that you do want to talk about, we can talk about. Uh, One area that I I don't mind talking about, although it gets a little bit, I'm not going to use the word creepy, but lingerie. I could have talked about marijuana and how high can the business go. But then I would have Method Man 
in my head all day long, and I want to avoid that. So Victoria's Secret announced yesterday that the CEO is ready to sell the company. Um, Victoria's Secret pink business is a good business lesson to learn from. So Victoria's Secret, we all know, big, tall, skinny women with angel wings, right? They've introduced a $17 million diamond-encrusted bra, a brassiere. Uh, that started to lose a little cachet. So they, they, they started a new business line called Pink. Now, Pink was a line of intimates and loungewear aimed at college-aged women. Um, it was cheap, cheaper, and much more functional. Uh, when Victoria's Secret invented the push-up bra, they did not have comfort in mind for the women wearing the product. So Victoria's Secret has a parent company called L Brands. And they broke out the sales numbers for pink. Last time I saw it was 2018. It was about $3 billion of Victoria's Secret, $12 billion in sales. That's a big chunk. Pink was designed to serve as a way to introduce younger customers, college-age women, to Victoria's Secret brand, ensuring that the lingerie company would have a steady pipeline of customers in the future. Smart business idea, right? Pink reported a sales decline for the first time in 16 years in 2018. In the past, L Brands not really given us a lot of information on the unit growth. They'll say strong unit growth, but they won't tell us how much. So there's not a lot of data there to chew. Now, Victoria's Secret saw same-store sales drop 8% year over year. And in the last 15 years, a lot of businesses have been started to compete with other established businesses in the world. And again, it's kind of a millennial thing where I think at one point in time we had two major lingerie companies. If you wanted to get lingerie for Valentine's Day for your honey, you would go to either the one that was like really dirty or you'd go to Victoria's Secret. Now there's other brands. Um, and that's a good thing for competition. It's a good thing for you and me. It's putting a nail in the coffin of Victoria's Secret's growth years. They will still be around for years and years and years to come. Pink has done a better job of revamping its marketing to emphasize inclusive. Um, they've revamped their merchandise assortment to lean into new popular trends like wellness and athleisure. But given it's still being marketed closely and in the same store as Victoria's Secret, it still has proven difficult for Pink to attract customers. And I think there's a, a global... Millennials have this thing. Younger people have this thing where they, are, they, they like different brands than maybe their mom and dad did. And that's something you just got to acknowledge as an investor. Um, Pink has that teenage young adult customer. And they were trying to get them tied together. Of which I think 141 Pink stores in the United States are part of the 957 Victoria's Secret. Now, again, another thing hurting these guys are hurting these guys, hurting this company, is they're all, it's mall-based. And it's a product that you kind of need to try on. So, other people have gotten into athleisure as well. Nike, Lululemon, Athleta, Aerie, uh, A-E-R-I-E. I don't know if 
that makes sense to you that that's actually a company. But by the nature of its stores being attached to Victoria's Secret, it remains very difficult for the sub-brand to work because people find it, I don't, I don't want to say vile, people don't like supporting Victoria's Secret and the messaging that they're sending to young women. You have to be tall, skinny. They don't like it. It's turned people off. So the owner, the original founder of Victoria's Secret, is like, I'm out. Time to sell the company. I know people that if they can't grow their business, they want out. I find that pretty interesting. Anyway, pink was a great idea for Victoria's Secret. It didn't work out because it's tied towards Victoria's Secret. Now, it's, it's again, they still do billions of dollars of sales. Don't get me wrong. It's just not investable. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Big seminar coming up just right around the corner. You can sign up for it at Rob Black Show. It's Rob Black Show. It's in Palo Alto at the Elks Lodge. Great place. It's 630 to 830. I promise it won't be boring. Uh, retirement income and tax planning. If you're coming to too many of these events or you're coming to don't, but this is a good one. Uh, February 6th, sign up at Rob Black Show. Use the code RADIO25 to get your calls on the air. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. And streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. Wilbur Ross went a little bit out of his way to almost rub salt in China into the wound that is the coronavirus. Wilbur Ross, Commerce Secretary in the United States, ultimately said that the coronavirus in China is going to help accelerate the return of jobs to the United States. Everyone knows I I talk a lot, and I'm unfiltered and unedited, and sometimes I talk myself into a, a, whoops, did I really just say that? I think the best example of that was the wildfires in Northern California two years ago in paradise that killed people. And people were asking me about PG&E, 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 should I buy it, buy it, buy it, should I buy it? And without putting a filter on it, I said, until there's no more dead bodies coming out of the, the, the fire wreckage, you can't buy it. Can't quantify what a stock is worth until the damages and the legal cost are taken out of the company's valuation. A chief firefighter from San Francisco basically emailed me and said, don't talk about this until there's some time in space. And I'm like, he's right. So every now and then we get ourselves talked into a corner. Wilbur Ross, I think his intentions may have been good, but he thinks the Chinese economy is going to grind to a halt. And every American's heart has to go out to the victims of the coronavirus. So I don't want to talk about a victory lap over a very unfortunate, very malignant disease, he said. But, <laughs> so he did. He says, I don't want to talk about it, but in that big butt, he, he should stop there. Um, so he's getting a little flack for him. Is he right? I don't know. And do we want manufacturing dumps back in the United States? I don't know. Um, I guess if you don't have a job, you do. But like, have you seen some of the jobs that we bring immigrants into the country for and let them do versus us? Hey, it's a starter job. I don't want to pick anything in the fields like we're not very kind as far as the manufacturing and the farm work that we hand off and if you try to get my kid to do farm work there ain't no way so that's tough work a baby was diagnosed with spina bifida and get this 
doctors are going into the mom's womb and doing surgery before the baby's born to give it the best chances of walking. That's a pretty good story. For all the horrible things we're hearing about coronavirus right now, it's nice to see, like, we can do surgery inside a womb? We live in good days. 800-516-1220 to each calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Verizon reported a strong quarter. Mobile phone subscribers got a boost from an offer of a free one-year subscription Disney+. Plus. Um, yep. It's funny, because the whole Star Wars universe, it's getting to be kind of a mess for Disney. They were going to do a film a year, basically forever, and then Solo flopped. And they don't want to do it. They, now they're like, we got to protect this franchise and make sure we don't get many more flops out of it. Um, so Baby Yoda and The Mandalorian was a big success, but they hired a, a writer to come up with a concept as well for young Obi-Wan Kenobi. What he did after he messed up Darth Vader in Episode 3 until we see him in episode four as an old man. And uh, basically the writer copied the Mandalorian. Oh, Obi-Wan is going to have to protect Luke and Leo and their children. Oh, kind of thing. Um, so Disney's having some problems right now with figuring out stories. And I'm going to tell you, this is going to be a tough year for Disney. Not in the numbers year over year for theme parks. Not in the numbers year over year for Disney+. Plus, But in the numbers for movie theaters. And releases. They don't have the slate that they had last year. And yes, I participated in the Avengers 22 movie escapade, whatever it was. I watched some of them. I ain't watching Black Widow. <laughs> I don't have that kind of time in my life. So, uh, a little, speak English, Robert. Tesla's on an epic tear. Shares are traded for just $185 in May, over $650. Ooh, that's quite a run. Electrical vehicle, electric vehicle. Is it right? If I, can I call it an electrical vehicle? Probably not. Tesla remains a very controversial stock. Listen to this. Price targets are between 200 and 800. Yeah, that's a little bit of wiggle room. The analysts who are bullish on the stock are happy with earnings report. The analysts who are unhappy say it's trading at too expensive of a valuation. Trades for about 72 times estimated 2020 earnings. That's a big number. We're freaked out about Apple trading at 22 times earnings. 72 times earnings. Oh, you get the idea. Longtime Tesla bull. He's bullish on the stock. His name's Ben Callow. He may be regretting his decision to downgrade the stock after it hit about $500 a share. So he may change his mind. There's too many people who like the stock with $800 price targets and too many people who don't like the stock with 200 So it's a civil war. I once saw an opera called Civil War. I think it was Civil War. Maybe it was General Lee or something like that. And the, the chorus of the opera was no... Wars are sad. And it was essentially no one wins. I don't get involved in analyst wars. It's too much drama for me. Um, if I own the stock, when I hold, I don't even know. It's out of my league as far as, as 
analyzing. Tesla recently opened a new factory in China. How's that going to play out? Margins can often fall as the company, when a new plant comes online. Um, Now, Amazon has about 3% of the world market in retail sales. Amazon's done nothing for about 15 months. Stock's basically gone up and down, up and down, up and down sideways. I'm more interested in Amazon because I see that 3% of worldwide retail sales could be 4%. Amazon's really aggressive in Mexico and in India right now. Amazon is really aggressive. I think I said that. Um, so Amazon Web Services is starting to get kind of tired. It doesn't have the explosive growth because competition's caught up to it. But e-commerce still pretty much so has an unlimited runway when you're at 3% of worldwide retail sales. It's a big number. Don't get me wrong. And they, too, have competition. And eventually they'll get brushed back where we hate that company because they put mom and pops out of business. But I sure did enjoy getting my hammering one day. So Tesla's too much of a, a, a battle for me. I'm looking elsewhere. And I just gave you an idea of where I'm looking. A company that's done nothing for 15 months in a stock market that it's exploded. Doesn't mean I'm right. Doesn't mean it'll work out that way. Facebook's a big loser today. I'm really torn on Facebook. As a user, I'm not that engaged. As an analyst, it's intriguing because they've got assets that they haven't even started to monetize. They've got a billion people using WhatsApp. What's up? Talking about Super Bowl commercials. What's up? Maybe that'll make a comeback. Um, expenses rose 51% on Facebook. They tend to be a company, and they've said this numerous times. They invest a lot, and then they don't. And then they have a year of invest a lot, and then they don't. Zuckerberg is turning into a caricature. If you've seen the impression of him on Saturday Night Live, it's not very flattering. And it's pretty easy to attack the guy. Uh, he said yesterday, I don't want to be liked. I want to be understood. He wants to build the reputation on privacy that's as strong as his reputation on building good, stable services. I'm like, mm, I don't know about that. So Facebook feels, and Google as well, and I own Google and Facebook, they both feel like they're going to be hit regulatory issues for the foreseeable future until they break up the companies. They're easy targets. They're trillion-dollar companies. Uh, they send, Facebook last year sent $5 billion to the U.S. government. Like, yeah, 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 we'll settle that fine. Yeah, 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 yeah. Google's had three straight years of EU fines over a billion dollars. And somehow this, the companies are still in business. At some point, I think Facebook gets broken up into from something's going to have to happen. Maybe they spin off WhatsApp. Maybe I don't know. But I don't even like the service being integrated. I don't like Facebook Messenger. It's not my thing. What's your thing? Do what you want to do. Um, I don't like Facebook Messenger. And people send me messages on it. I don't see them for like months. I like my good old phone message. So Facebook down 8%. I look at that potentially as an opportunity. Even though I hate the company on a lot of levels. I like sales. 
It's the old Marge Simpson episode from uh, The Simpsons. How did I forget? I remembered her name, but I couldn't come up with Marge Simpson from The Simpsons, where she comes home with a pair of $4,000 shoes, and she goes, Oh, homie, they were $9,000 on sale. And I, I love that, because they're still $4,000 shoes. Same thing can apply in this case. I like sales. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Big seminar coming up February 6th in Palo Alto at the Oaks Lodge. Great place. 6.30 to 8.30. Come after work. Come after dinner. Whatever. Uh, we're going to talk about income and retirement. We're going to talk about the coronavirus. We're going to talk about 2020. Good products, bad products that you should avoid. Good products you should get. Bad products you should avoid. Sign up at Rob Black Show. Use code RADIO25. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. I'm Rob Black talking to all things financial. Big seminar coming up. First of the year, good year outlook. Talk about coronavirus. Talk about income and retirement. Talk about good products and bad products and much, much more. A lot of details you can find by going to newfocusfinancial.com. It's coming up February 6th. In Palo Alto at the Elks Lodge. Here to talk a little bit about that and much, much more. CFP Chad Burton. Um, how are you, Mr. Burton? Yeah. Doing well. Coughing? You got well. <laughs> I was going to try to slip in a coronavirus joke, but nah. No. I'll pass on <laughs> that do. one. Yeah, and it is kind of funny because um, I'm starting to see people in the U.S. have weird behaviors about coronavirus. And uh, anyway, I'm. I'm I don't know where I'm going out with that. Let's talk about slow growth, a spreading virus and markets at all-time highs, and that confluence of events hitting together. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I've even had um, had a call from somebody that's typically like, uh, greedy on the pullback because we've trained them for years and years, and they usually like to buy, but... Um, I had a call saying, hey, uh, they're doing the whole mega Roth 401k, so they're contributing the maximum to the pre-tax 401k. They're doing the maximum after-tax dollars to the 401k that's going into the Roth. So they're getting between their deferral, their after-tax that's going to the Roth and their employer amount, they're getting over sixty grand into their 401k. And they've been doing that for two years now. And he's like, hey, with, you know, the slow growth and the coronavirus and the market, you know, kind of at a high and stuff's expensive at 18 P ratio. Um, I'm thinking about stopping that whole contribution strategy and, you know, paying down one of my rental properties. And it okay. kind of surprised me because typically that's, you know, the approach when there's pullbacks, they, they like to really continue to buy. And sometimes people forget that, just because you're putting money in, it doesn't mean that there's only one choice in your 401k, which is stocks. There's stable value funds, there's money market funds, and there's stock and bond funds. So I would never stop the contribution strategy because you're creating tax-deferred and tax-free accounts, and you can move money around. And I just pointed out that there's certain aspects of the S&P 500 that look expensive or extended relative to low interest rates, high P.E. ratios make sense, right, Rob? Because it's always... It's always that competition between do I invest in stocks or bonds that people are looking at, right? Sure. Yeah, and you've got the 10-year Treasury at 1.7%, and you've got many uh, ETFs that invest in large-cap dividend growers yielding somewhere between 2 and 3%. So you get paid in stocks with dividends. So 
there's also certain value sections of the stock market that are trading at more like 14, 15 PE ratios, price to earnings, versus the S&P 500 is around 18 and a half times forward earnings. You have dividends on many of those funds exceeding that of the 10-year U.S. bond. And the biggest thing, though, is that you don't know how this is going to go. They could come out with you know, some sort of a vaccination relatively quickly, um, and then all of a sudden the market's charged forward, right? So not only should you instead not stop funding these things, maybe you start funneling your contributions instead of just the S&P 500 to other areas like small cap value, large cap value, international value, places like that that are on sale already for the next five or 10 years, maybe not for the next 12 months, but they're on sale for the next five to 10 years. But and it's fair for me to jump in and say, hold on a second. It's fair for me to jump in and say, you, this may not work out for you in the next 12 months, but it's a great strategy for the next five, 10, 15 years. Even if you're buying the value now, it may not work out, but it's a great value, right? Exactly. And what corrections do is it shakes out the short minded, short term minded, you know, investors that typically got in kind of late and then it creates value and bargaining bargain opportunities for those that are out there. But it, it doesn't even matter too much because when you're accumulating wealth and you're buying stocks and funds and ETFs that pay dividends and those dividends are being reinvested, as soon as you go to cash or try to time something, you, you stop getting that income, right? And uh, so, especially in the larger portfolios, you've got a million-dollar portfolio because you're getting closer and closer to retirement. You're probably yielding somewhere between twenty and thirty thousand dollars on dividends and interest, and as soon as you try to go to cash and time that, that income stops. Those reinvestments stop. So, if the market dips, those reinvestments are occurring. You're buying on the cheap. Um, and then I always like to point out that these various studies, like J.P. Morgan has one that I'm looking at, and you always hear about those missing the ten best days of the stock market. And they have one because, you know, from 1999 to 2018, that was, you know, to 2019 really, is really kind of one of the worst two-decade periods that we've seen because we had the tech correction involved in that, and then we had the Great Recession. The S&P 500 fully invested averaged 5.62%, but if a person missed just the 30 best trading days in the stock market, they went from a 5.62% rate of return to a negative 2.35% rate of return. Just 30 days. That's one month. If they were out of the market for two months and missed the 60 best days in trading, they went from a positive 5.62% rate of return to a negative 7.41% rate of return, because typically the best trading days in the stock market come during bear markets. So you can't play the timing game. You cannot do it. It will not work. It will cost you a ton of money. And with that said, there's always uh, something horrible happening in the world if you look for it, whether it's the coronavirus or the Ebola or the U.S. debt being downgraded. There's always something that is a wall of worry. Uh, we got about a minute and a half. Is there anything else you want to hit in the segment, or you want to talk a little bit about the seminar? Uh, yeah, we can talk about the seminar. I mean, one of the things you mentioned is um, you know going over some of the good and bad retirement products. And like you and I have mentioned, we used to say all annuities are bad, but now there's there's some good no-load variable annuities that have life uh, income guarantees and some good non-commissioned indexed annuities for people that are looking for safe money for five years at a time. Um, but they're very hard to find, and, and there's not many out there. And so 98%, 99% of annuities are bad. 
people that are selling them are just looking for a commission. And unfortunately, Rob, under the SECURE Act, which is a big retirement planning change that just passed, there's going to be more annuities being sold in people's 401k plans. So we'll teach you how to look out for the uh, the bad ones. And I think it's going to be, we're just going to learn how they're going to be implemented, but I'm a little bit concerned about it. Love your content. Thanks very much. Find newfocusfinancial.com. Seminar on the 6th of February in Palo Alto Elks Lodge. Sign up at newfocusfinancial.com.